once again, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I am your host, Ricky Hazel, and I am excited to be joined today by a former Hatter Volleyball, Hatter Beach Volleyball, um, Hatter alumnus, and has gone on to do great things, Katie DiGirolamo. Katie, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Ricky. It's a it, pleasure to see you again. It is great to see you as well, and you've been... Not that you weren't busy when you were in college because of of all the uh, students that I've worked with over the years. You probably had more on your plate during your your time in college than anybody, but you've been really busy since college. I mean, from, from IMG to now what you're doing now with the Blue Jays, it's been quite a hectic run for the last few years, hasn't it for you? It has, yes, but I wouldn't want it any other way, that's for sure. <laughs> Love being busy. Yeah, so tell everybody about what you've been doing since college. I mean, you graduated in uh, 2014, so six years. Talk about, uh, I know you spent a long time at IMG, and now you're with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, so uh, when I graduated college, I was somehow lucky enough to land a job as the executive assistant to the co-managing director at IMG Academy, and that's a world-renowned sports academy in Brainton, Florida. Um, They have a lot of the number one high school team sports, number one individuals across seven disciplines or eight disciplines of sports now I think they have. So my job really evolved from being more of an executive assistant to really his chief of staff, working really closely with directors and VPs, uh, doing my own projects from um, executive recruiting to consumer insights to data and analytics and managing um, databases. It was just a really incredible job for me to set my standard of work very high and learn from one of the best of the best in the business. Uh, Greg Phillips uh, was my boss that entire time, the four years that I was there at IMG and still my mentor to this day. Um, IMG started out as basically the voluntary tennis Academy, correct? So when when did they change their focus? I mean, they had, they were bringing in the best junior tennis players in the world to train there with him. And when did it start evolving to where there was more, about a more diverse sports portfolio. They really did a branding rehaul, um, I think in early 2000s. I'm not entirely sure about that history, but when I was there, they added two or three sports and I know they are still in conversations about continuing to add sports. Uh, I feel like every year they just expand and expand and they have 500 acres and I think they're even looking to buy more. Wow. Um, it's just a really incredible, incredible place. Uh, I mean, and, they're hosting the WNBA right now. That's the bubble for the WNBA. So all of those players, all of those staffs and media and everybody, that's where they are for their entire season, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And what a, it's absolutely incredible. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, is that so many professionals train there. There's so many camps uh, that professionals run there. Um, there's... MLS tournaments that go on there, the retreats for big corporate companies, the amount of events and just corporate outings that are there. Absolutely incredible. And I think their most recent uh, addition was the IMG Academy Hotel. So now they can actually house everyone there on campus. It's, it's awesome. For anyone who hasn't seen it, I definitely recommend you look it up. It's an athlete's playground, that's for sure. Now, I know they've really become big in, in the high school football, academy football realm where they're mm-hmm. cranking out i don't know they got 25 30 kids a year that are getting division one you know power five scholarships yeah so i think the normal high school statistic is that two or three percent get athletic scholarships um 60 get d1 yeah. there out of img academy and then uh, i think it's another like 15 or 20 percent get d2 and d3 um scholarships and then basketball is pretty much the same it's it's you know, it's one of the most exclusive and, and you know, you're going to play with a, you know, your practices are probably much more difficult than your games. Absolutely. But one thing that I was really impressed with IMG is that it put a really big emphasis on academics as well. And some people don't realize that, but these kids come out with an excellent education. Um, the head of school there's really incredible uh, and cares a lot about the student athletes uh, and how they how they do academically. So uh, it's a really good all around program and just being there and working with the co-managing director for four years, I really got to understand the inner workings of all the different departments from sports programs to marketing, to communications, to operations. It was 
a really incredible experience to be able to see how such a big business run and then also just be a part of building something so incredible um, that means a lot to a lot of people. So. And the great thing for you about going down there to work is that's your hometown. So you can, you got to go back home with your mom and, and see all the people that you grew up with and knew. And that had to have been a great experience just to go back and kind of reconnect after you'd been in, here in Deland for four, four or five years. Absolutely. That was definitely icing on the cake. <laughs> so let's talk <laughs> about your time here in Deland. You, st- you came to Stetson as a volleyball player, court volleyball player. And yeah. I don't know, had you ever played organized beach volleyball before you, before it started here in Stetson? I don't know if I'd call it organized, but <laughs> since I, I grew up in Brainton, Sarasota area, so I was always on the beach picking up a volleyball, playing pickup. Um, so I wasn't totally familiar with the strategy of the game, I guess you can say, because I never had formal coaching. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is the difference between the two sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started at court and my sophomore year, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll play sand as well. That's fine. Um, and it was a really big learning curve for a lot of the girls, for sure. Um, so I'm sure you followed the program success since since you left. Your last year was 2014. And I mean, national tournaments and one of your former teammates is now uh, an assistant coach and Mel and, and uh, I'm sure you you probably stay in touch with her to keep up with what's going on. But what's uh, what's been your perspective on how the program has done from the outside? It's absolutely incredible to see how successful this team has. And they're always ranked in the top 10. Um, the group of girls are awesome. I was just there with Alicia for homecoming last year mm-hmm. and being able to play in the alumni games. Uh, it's just always a really good, solid, culturally solid program. Um, so my first two years there, we ended up <laughs> losing in the championship to North Florida, right. both my sophomore year and my junior year. Mm-hmm. And then finally, my senior year, we were able to beat North Florida again. And we just had to break the ice. And <laughs> they've been off and running since then. They so. have been. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about Alicia. She was, uh, I guess she was kind of one of your partners in beach, right? She was one of my partners. Yep. And so was Savannah Bile. And both of those girls to this day are my best friends. I was actually the maid of honor in Alicia's wedding in December. Uh, so definitely the bond that you create, uh, especially being beach partners, right? Mm -hmm. No doubt. Now, while you were at Stetson, you won, I would say, virtually every academic award you could possibly win. You were academic all-conference. You were were the Wendell Gerard Award winner uh, as a junior. You were uh, an ASUN presidential scholar. You, you know, and and so academics was obviously a big part of your focus and, and your intensity when you got here. How did you manage to play on two teams and, We'll talk about SAC later, but and you know, be that kind of athlete, uh, academics. Uh, to be honest, looking back now, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I real, I feel like I slept a lot, and I feel like I still had somewhat of a social life. But I mean, we were up for practice at five a.m. every day. Yeah. Um, and academics has just always been really important. I uh, in high school, I was, I guess, deemed some sort of it was valedictorian. But um, it was called Goldfeather for mm-hmm. my school. Uh, so it's always been something that's really important for me and being able to just drive and do my best and, and whatever that I put my mind to with academics. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together. And then you also were a leader with SAC, obviously not just at Stetson, but also in the ASUN and, and on with the NCAA. Talk about what your experience with SAC not only from a campus level, but from an NCA level, what did that mean for you and, and, and your growth and maturity and being able to do the things you've done since? Oh, Ricky, don't get me started talking about SAC. You know I love SAC. <laughs> <laughs> you were fortunate enough to be uh, I was. head of SAC for one of those years. I was. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be the president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, uh, which for those of you who don't know, is required uh, by the NCAA to have a SAC on every single institution. And then every conference has a student athlete advisory committee. And then the NCAA has a representative from each conference. So they have a team of, I think now it's 32 conference, mm-hmm. division one conferences. Um, so at Setson, the focus was more on community service and athletes supporting athletes. 
um, and just really being a voice within the athletic department. So that was really special for me because I had a good relationship with Altier. I had a really good relationship with you and a lot of the other staff members there to be able to help make a difference and have the student athletes feel like they have a voice within the athletic department. Um, we also put on Academy Awards. Right. Do you remember those? Do you guys still do them? Well, we haven't didn't get to do it last year because it got canceled. They moved it to the spring and it got canceled because of the pandemic. And now they're not sh- quite sure what they're going to do this year because there's no, no fall sports and, you know, the spring is going to be crazy. And they don't know if they'll be able to do it then. So they're kind of trying to come up with options on what they can do as far as uh, recognizing each other and recognizing the accomplishments on campus for the student athletes. But they, they've got a good group now. Um, with uh, Ari Beck, who's a cross-country runner, and Kiara McCarthy uh, from lacrosse, that are their co-presidents. So they've got a great they've got a great group, and they they're uh, trying to do as much as they can. But it's difficult when when you can't get together. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me happy that there's still a good group of people and you're still trying to do the Academy Awards and recognize the student athletes. I know a lot of work was really put in by myself and the former president, Carolyn Boyd, right. uh, to really make this an esteemed uh, student athlete advisory committee and well respected among athletes, but also staff at Stetson. Um, now, part, so, of, part of what you did with SAC was with the NCAA. So talk about how mm-hmm. going to Indianapolis and being part of the, you know, the, the NCAA SAC and how that impacted you, but how how did you feel that you were able to, you and the other site members were able to impact the NCAA? And obviously that's continued to grow with the, the way student athletes have continued to gain their voice nationally. Mm-hmm. When I was actually part of it, the student athletes didn't have a voting right uh, within the NCAA board and they do now. So it's absolutely incredible how the SAC has grown within the NCAA, but to be honest, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me, National SAC. Um, not only for the opportunity, but the people that I met uh, and the impact that I really felt like we were able to make. Um, so the the premise for NCAA SAC was more of promoting student-athlete welfare and protecting their image um, and really being able to be that voice for NCAA staff Uh, truly understand the legislation and then filter that out through all the institutions. Um, So I was actually the chair of the student athlete voice committee within NCAA SAC. And I was in charge of a newsletter that was then distributed to all the conferences and then hopefully all the institutions to be able to tell them what's going on from legislation, from structure, from governance, and really be sure that everyone's informed and able to have some sort of way to provide feedback. Cause that was really important because we were all from a variety of different sports We were all from a variety of different levels of recruiting, whether you were the star receiver from University of Georgia, who Chris Conley is now playing for the Jags, or someone who's a walk on on their team or someone who wasn't necessarily highly recruited, but they still had a full scholarship. So it was a really variety of student athletes. So we had uh, a really good voice between us, but it was really important for us to be able to reach out to our conferences and institutions within our conference to be able to provide um, the best feedback possible when legislation was going. So a lot of that time when I was there, the conversations revolved around uh, recruiting communication, uh, paying student athletes was kind of becoming an issue then. the time constraints and what the realities were being a student athlete and how the NCAA can kind of help that with institutions and also the recruiting advantage uh, for a lot of schools. And it, you know, it became really difficult conversations that we had to be open with one another. Um, But the group of people in that national stack were just cream of the crop athletes uh, and people. So I actually still keep in touch with a lot of them today. Um, it was just definitely a life-changing experience to be able to be part of that. Do you feel like um, that uh, some of the groundwork you guys laid when you were there has maybe paved the way a little bit for, you know, the national image and likeness movement that's going on and the and the way student athletes have gained their voice and are demanding, you know, their rights and, and demanding to be taken care of from a health standpoint as we go through this pandemic? I absolutely think we did help pave the way for that because we had really great working relationships with Mark Emmert and other high level um, executives within the NCAA. And that really established a sense of respect and trust. And they knew that we were we had valid points for everything that we were explaining. And they wanted to come to us because they weren't in the classroom. They weren't out on the field at that time. So I think that because we 
approached it with such respect and such grace. And, but at the same time, we were strong in our opinions and we were collective in our opinions. So I definitely think that's paving the way for the importance of having some sort of players union or a way for the voice for the players to be heard. Now you obviously mm-hmm. had some face-to-face interaction with, with Emmert uh, uh, during your time mm-hmm. there. What was your, I mean, he gets a bad rap because there's a lot of things that he can't control because it's the NCAA is us and we are the NCAA and people don't understand mm-hmm. that it's a, it's not a, a this, you know, eyes on the mountain pulling the strings. It's the, it's the university presidents that make the decisions. But as you developed your relationship with Mark Emmert, how did you find him to be, and 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 how how was how did he react to the student athletes, and vice versa? He was very open to the student athlete advisory committee. Every single committee meeting that I was up there for for the three years I was on national SAC, he spoke to us. He engaged with us and at multiple times throughout that uh, convention. So um, I do not envy his job. Yeah. There, he is not going to be able to please everyone. Uh, he has a very tough job and there's a lot of factors that people just don't understand when he's making these decisions. So uh, he has always been very respectful, uh, very intuitive and in listening to what we have to say. Uh, I don't have a bad thing to say about him, but uh, I just don't envy his job. <laughs> do, you, do you follow closely all the, the things that are going on with the student athlete movement now? To be honest, Ricky, I just haven't really had the time yeah. to be able to follow up. I try to as best I can, but uh, I, I wouldn't be able to talk too intelligently about that right now. All right. Well, that's that's what I was leading into. You've been uh, you've been a little busy. Uh, you've been with the Toronto Blue Jays now for what two years? Yeah, a little over two years. Over two years, and and they only handed you a small job when you got there. Talk about uh, <laughs> what your uh, what your duties are with the with the Blue Jays. Sure. Uh, So my title is the project manager with the Blue Jays and I'm based out of Dunedin, Florida, and they where they spring train. They are investing in originally it was an eighty one million dollar renovation and build of their spring training stadium, which is now called TD Ballpark and their player development complex. Uh, TD Ballpark, we actually were able to open on time and under budget, which is really exciting for a construction project um, before spring training. And we had two really incredible weeks of baseball until it got shut down. Um, However, that opening day and all of the work that went into that renovation uh, was absolutely incredible. Uh, We did a complete facelift of the entire facility. We touched pretty much everything Mm -hmm. and you would not be able to recognize it. Uh, It was one of the lower tier stadiums within spring training. And now uh, I read some articles and they're saying it's rivaling the best. Um, So really, really proud of that facility and the teamwork that it took to, to really turn that stadium around for both the players, the fans, the staff, the community, um, so that was a really exciting project and the baby of the, of the project is the player development complex, right. which is about 15 minutes down the road and it's 120,000 square feet. It is going to be one of the best facilities in major league baseball, hands down. Uh, Mark Shapiro is completely invested in this. He has a great vision for this facility. Everyone within the, uh, organization completely buys into the purpose and, uh, really investing in the resources and uh, the purpose of this building to be able to win World Series championships. So it's a really big culture change for the Toronto Blue Jays organization, and they hope to use this building 365 days a year. So my role is the sole project manager over the design and the construction process for these two projects. So I went through the entire design development schematic phase, uh, the buyout process with the contractors, being part of the interview process with the contractors, uh, and then foreseeing it through to completion within construction. But then in addition to that, I designed and purchased all the capital, furniture, equipment, everything that's going inside of these buildings. So from the stadium, it was really fun because it was more fan amenities and being able to take care of the staff that were there. But for this player development complex, oh my gosh, it's the weight room, (laughs) the athletic training rooms, all of the equipment rooms and the locker rooms and the dining rooms and the offices. And it's the pool. It's incredible. The resources that are going in here. Oh, I should probably add the sports science labs to that, which are going to be absolutely incredible and state of the art technology. So I've been uh, the liaison between the Blue Jays staff and the experts within those respective fields and the architects and the contractors and making sure that 
the perfect space, their perfect environment is being built the right way. So in a nutshell, that kind of summarizes my job and there's a lot that goes into it and very busy, but I absolutely love it. I've learned so much along the way, everything from collaboration and how uh, an organization within Major League Baseball works to architectural design to construction means and methods uh, to staff transition and grand openings and everything like that. So um, it's been an absolutely incredible experience and the Blue Jays organization is incredible. Well, knowing how organized you are from your time and here with SAC and, and what you did, I, I, they couldn't have picked anybody better, I'm sure. But Want to stay up to date on all things happening in Hatter Nation? Follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts at Stetson Hatters, your destination for in-game stats, student-athlete features, game promotions, and more. Follow at Stetson Hatters today. It's got to be, it's just a, a daunting task. And, and I guess the question is, how has the the shutdown of minor league baseball this year, I mean, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I mean, there's no games, there's no players, but there's no games or players. So the facility's full speed ahead, I would imagine. Yeah. So during this whole pandemic, construction was considered a uh, essential business. Uh, so it didn't miss a beat. We surprisingly didn't have labor issues, supply issues, logistic issues, anything. And we didn't have to work around baseball. So at our development complex, we still have our existing complex and a couple existing fields, but we didn't have to work around them. Um, at the stadium, we can finish our punch list mm-hmm. uh, and really wrap things up with the contractors there without having to be in the way of games or players or anyone else in there. So Uh, you're right. It's been a blessing and a curse. It was a very sad day when they canceled spring training and they canceled minor league baseball. But from a construction standpoint, we have been full steam ahead. So are there any of the minor league players there working out or have they been all been sent home and there's nobody around? There's just uh, pristine diamonds with nobody on them. Uh, I honestly haven't been in the offices. Uh, I've been in the job trailer, so I can't tell you exactly who's been there. I think I've seen some of the Dominican players throwing uh, throwing and hitting out there, but I, I'm not entirely sure who is there right now. Um, I know we, we, we prepared a lot for the uncertain where are the Toronto Blue Jays playing their home games. Sure. So it was a whirlwind um, from just trying to prepare all these different scenarios and our staff really worked hard and, and made sure that they were airtight ready if the season was down here in Dunedin. Um, so I know that was really busy during that time, but. Um, so how crazy were the days leading up to the first spring training game at the, at the renovated stadium? I mean, were, were people running around with paint buckets de- touching up here and there and doing all those kind of things to, to make it ready? <laughs> Uh, I think they were getting ready to, that's for sure. Um, everyone was just kind of playing the waiting game and just having everything in line, ready to press play, yeah. uh, if that were to happen. So, um, and there was a lot of protocols that we had to make sure were in place. And, um, I think they, they called it the 180 page document or something wow. to be able to get ready for these games being there. Um, but Ricky, let me tell you the transformation that they made, within Salem Field and Buffalo to be able to be major league baseball ready is absolutely incredible. They did a before and after deck for us during a town hall and the concourse is their weight room and the visiting batting cages are now the home clubhouse and the home clubhouse is now the coaches clubhouse. And it was absolutely incredible what they did in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Um, crazy. And I I was watching, they were, they were playing earlier today, first game of a doubleheader when I was at lunch, and I got to see a little bit of this first time I've kind of seen the stadium, and it, it looks like a major league ballpark. It's just mm-hmm. uh, they did a fabulous job with it. But uh, so, so with the with the stadium there, the spring training games are played at the at the renovated park, but that's the only thing that goes on there, right? Everything else will be at the complex. Yes. Well, because there's no minor league baseball, they're not going to be at the stadium. So pretty much our stadium is is uh, not being used right, right, right now. Well, I'm talking about when, um, it, when things return to normal in a, re- a regular spring training next year, hopefully everything will be at the complex except for the games. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So they're still working out how like operationally be different. Um, but yes, a lot of the um, transition will be at, over at the complex. So do you know what your role is going to be once everything's done and finished and, uh, and you move into doing the next project? 
I do know that we might have um, some phase two. I'm not really sure what that looks like after spring training um, and also following up with the punch list, uh, finishing all of the branding and making sure that's all done. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure what my job looks like with the Blue Jays after this, but uh, well, we'll see. Well, just move you up to Toronto and you know, you'd be running the team up there, right? <laughs> They have a really great team up there uh, running their building services and capital projects. So who knows? <laughs> so let's uh, let's go back and talk a little bit more about you and, and, and your upbringing and how you got to where you are. First of all, who were some of your role models growing up and how did they impact your life? Oh, wow. Um, I would definitely say my parents, first of all, like they really pushed me to uh, do my best and um, – I would say they would definitely be my role models growing up. And, oh, wow, I'm trying to think from like a volleyball standpoint. I always uh, admired Carrie Walsh and Misty May. And sure. uh, even from a beach volleyball standpoint, just always wanting to uh, play like them and uh, just have their grace. Um, so I would say those would be my role models. Well, I'm sure growing up, you probably played more than just volleyball. What other sports did you play and how did you wind up zoning in on playing volleyball? I did everything growing up. I, I, I was even a dancer growing I, up. I have no doubt. <laughs> I, uh, I also played softball and basketball, and I played piano for a really long time. And, and you were probably then, a swimmer and played tennis and all the other stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I, I had to keep busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but my sophomore year in high school, I also played softball and volleyball. And then I decided that I wanted to focus more on volleyball to be able to earn a scholarship. So I quit almost everything else except for piano. I stuck that out throughout high school and uh, just focused on volleyball. You had to be bored of just playing one sport, just doing one thing. <laughs> it definitely kept me busy between club practices and high school practices and trying to get good grades. So, so you talked about playing volleyball to earn a scholarship, which you obviously did when you came to Stetson. What was the recruiting process like for you? And, and how did you come to the decision to, to come to Stetson? I probably pursued about nine schools recruiting every everything from uh, Division two to just low Division one. It wasn't overly intense for me. I was still back and forth of um, if that was really something I wanted to do. I my goal was originally to play at Emory, which is a D three school up in Atlanta. Yeah. I went to their volleyball camps over uh, the summer. I went to UF volleyball camps over the summer. Uh, but when I was able to talk to the Stetson coach and go to the campus, I absolutely fell in love with the campus. And it was only two and a half hours away from my home. And so my parents never missed a volleyball game and they still came to every single one at Stetson. So. Morningstar Storage is a proud supporter of Stetson University Athletics. Morningstar offers the space you need, the way you want it, made easy with 24-7 access, a free rental truck, Bluetooth locks, month-to-month leasing, and much more. Stop by Morningstar Storage right behind the Chick-fil-A or visit MorningstarDeland.com for two months free storage when you mention Stetson. Go Hatters! So you mentioned earlier on the difference between playing court volleyball and beach volleyball. What are some of those differences and how, how difficult was the adjustment? Some of the differences are the court size. Um, so the beach volleyball court is a little bit smaller sure. and obviously you're only playing with two people instead of six people. So the strategy and your skill set is a lot different. Um, it's not as quick and it's not as powerful as indoor volleyball. You use a lot more shots. Uh, it's very, it's a lot more strategic in that way. Um, and you also have to deal with the elements, the sun, different sand, the wind, um, the rain. So it's just that in that aspect, it was different from volleyball as well. The adjustment was hard. So going from indoor to sand immediately, there was actually a few injuries uh, from a lot of girls mm -hmm. just because you don't have your sand legs yet. Yeah. Uh, it's just different on your joints. Um, but let me be honest, <laughs> I went to go play a grass volleyball tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago and my body hurts so bad <laughs> afterwards. It's so different because I'm not used to the hard court anymore because yeah. I've been playing beach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so who are some of so. the people since you graduated that have kind of helped you along your journey, IMG and now with the Blue Jays? 
Sure. So actually in college, um, while I was doing everything else, my the three summers in college, I actually interned with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and I was to sales and marketing and promotions. And that was an absolute blast. And it was actually in Brainton, my hometown. Right. And uh, my boss at the time, uh, Trevor Gooby, he is now a senior vice president for the Seattle Mariners. Wow. Uh, and so he knew my boss at the time, uh, Shelby Nelson. And so he ended, ended up recommending me for this job with the Blue Jays. So I still keep in touch with Trevor. He is an another really incredible leader, um, doing really exciting things with the Mariners. Um, Greg Phillips with IMG. So he actually, our last day at IMG were the same day and he went to go start his own consulting business and he does leadership coaching and CEO coaching. He's so perfect for the job. Uh, so he's doing really well and I still talk to him, um, on a monthly basis and catch up with him. Um, so I would say those two were really helped me along the way and just really great inspirations of, of leadership. Um, just really holding yourself to a high standard and being a good person and getting your hands dirty and um, just not being afraid to, to be good and put in the work. So and one of the things coaches at every level and in every sport talk about is, is, is leadership and they have, you know, kids read books on leadership and, and the things it takes to be a great leader. And now you're getting to put that into practical use as a leader of a huge project. How have you been mm-hmm. able to use some of the things you learned as a student athlete? Oh, as a student athlete, I think, um, oh, wow. I would say time management. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, from being a student athlete and collaboration and working as a team, uh, you can't make decisions all on your own. You have to work together to be able to be successful. Um, so that kind of covers collaboration. Um, and also, I every day I listen to a podcast uh, by Justin Sua, who is the head mental conditioning coach with the Tampa Bay Rays. And he was formerly at IMG Academy. And his podcast is called Increase Your Impact. And it's for leaders. Uh, and I take notes on it every single day I have for the last couple years. Uh, I think that's also a really big testament to um, testing my leadership and implementing new practices uh, and kind of getting your daily dose of leadership advice every single day. So when you got the job with the Blue Jays, did you just jump in with both feet or did you have to sit back and think, man, this is a big job? So it's really interesting because my role throughout the Blue Jays has really evolved, really with how the project has evolved. So the first few months has really been like really narrowing down the drawings and making sure they're correct. And we had hours and hours and days long meetings trying to really finalize those drawings. Uh, And then like I said earlier, we had days long meetings of putting these out to bid and awarding contractors. So it, 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 in a way kind of put my toes in the water with really truly understanding the drawings and then just building from there. So it was a really nice and I wouldn't say easy, but easier progression for me to really learn the project and kind of take off running and, and leading more things on my own. Now what's it like for you now as the project manager where you're making the final decisions on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, there's a, a lot of decisions that have to be made. Whew, I don't even want to make a decision of what I have to eat for dinner because there's so <laughs> many decisions that uh, we have to make on a daily basis. And it's really been a, a good team effort, though, with the decisions between my boss and the facilities manager and like operations manager. So um, it really has been uh, a good team effort there. But I mean, it's been really rewarding to to be project manager over this um, this investment and just being able to share the construction progress photos. And unfortunately, people from Toronto aren't able to come down. So right. I'm FaceTiming uh, with their capital director and um, FaceTiming with IT, trying to speak their language and make sure everything is right. So um, it's been it's been a really interesting process, especially being in a pandemic. So. I'm sure this is not where you saw yourself being after six years out of college when you were going to when you were going to school and getting your degree in business administration. So what what would you tell students now that are that are in college and are, are don't know what they want to do about how to get prepared to face whatever challenges may come so that they're ready to to take on a project like this? 
you're right. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a really long time. And now I think I finally figured it out six years after college at 28. And I think I would tell student athletes, it's totally okay. And don't pigeonhole yourself into one type of role because then sometimes it could get hard to get out of that and gain the appropriate experience. So in my internship within college, I didn't just do marketing. I really expanded into even just field operations and um, communications within the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Um, With IMG, I didn't pigeonhole myself into one type of role. I was able to just get a little bit of experience from all the different departments. So I would say the more experience and the more reps that you can do in all these different types of disciplines until you really find your niche because it's what makes you unique. And that's what's going to sell you to not be replaceable within a job. So hey, you worked, that would be my advice. You, you did your internships with the Pirates. And now you work for the Blue Jays. Was baseball where you always wanted to go? I do love baseball. And I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into one sport, but I did know I want to work in sports. I just know baseball. I truly appreciate baseball and I understand it. I just love it so much. Um, I, it's just a perfect fit for me. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. The reason I ask is because you see more and more women who are having an impact in, in baseball at, at every level. I mean, you, you watch games and you see announcers now that are females and you hear PA announcers that are females and, and, and more and more of those roles, you've got to, the Giants have a female coach. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so you're seeing that those possibilities open up. Is that what really drives you to, to succeed is seeing that there are opportunities out there for you? Absolutely. And just being on this project within a sports team, but also in construction. So there's not a lot of females that are working in construction. And to be honest, like I have a pink hard hat and all those guys know when I'm coming. (laughs) I (laughs) Um, imagine they probably get to work a little harder when they see you coming. Yeah, because they know I'm going to check their work. (laughs) Um, So no, it's been great. But and I honestly never really had any issues with that. And I just keep pushing along, you know, no matter what, because I'm female or because I'm not. That's right. So. That's right. And you, you're, you're, a, you're a determined person. So I, I saw that firsthand when you were here. So never had any doubt you'd be successful in whatever you wound up in. But uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how much success you're having in the baseball field, which is great. Um, and one of my other former students, Melanie Newman, who's now the uh, one of the TV radio broadcasters for the Baltimore Orioles. And she's the first – or the one of the I think there are four female broadcasters in Major League Baseball, and she's she's the first one with the Orioles, and and to see the success and how hard she's worked to get to where she is, and now see the success that you're having is just a, a it's a, it gives me a big smile every time I see how y'all are doing. Um, so talk about some of the some of the funny things that happen when you're leading a project like this. What are what are some of the things that you know catch you off guard and you just got to sit back and laugh at? To be honest, I feel like there's problem solving every single day in construction and in design. So it kind of amazes me some of the things that we spent so much time talking about. And then it comes up later and be like, how are we still talking about this? Like uh, fencing, for instance, or um, how something, how much something costs and the amount of value engineering that we had to go redesign something to go get it re- rebid. And then somehow it was more expensive. Like, how does this happen? So I think you you have, you can't take anything personally in this business and you just kind of have to laugh it off when something comes up and you just continue to problem solve and, and go from there. So um, trying to think of some of the actual funny things that happened. Um, we originally had um, a ramp going into the dugout at TD ballpark. And we're like, I don't think we need a ramp. So we, we figured out for ADA compliance. So then we we figured out a way to go through the back and have a door there. Um, so just some of that stuff that we like, there's a ramp into the dugout. (laughs) Yeah. You don't think about that, but then yeah, ADA would require that. 
So I know you're a person who's always been very much self-motivated to achieve and to do well academically and do well athletically and now do well professionally. So what motivates you every day to get up and, and go after the things you want? I think every day I think about the purpose and the vision of this project and that keeps me going. And I care so much about this project uh, for it to be successful, for it to be a smooth transition uh, and for the staff to really appreciate and see all of their hard work really be put into that. So I really uh, internalized that purpose and that vision and thinking of the end users, the players and how they're going to appreciate even just the little things that we think about, like making sure the shower heads are tall enough and making sure the material that, that they're working on, walking on in cleats is appropriate. And so there's just a lot of little things that we try to think about for the end user. And I think just seeing that joy, especially in opening, opening day, that was, uh, just seeing the joy in the fans and the end user is just really motivation for me every day um, to work hard and make sure it's right. So. You, you mentioned the podcast that you listen to every day. What are some of the books you're reading? Because I know you're probably reading leadership books as well. What are some of the books you read are reading and who are some of your favorites? Um, I haven't had time to really read a book in a while, uh, <laughs> but I the, the last one I read was uh, Legacy by James Kerr. Kerr and uh, it's about the um, New Zealand All Blacks. And there's 13 strategies on leadership that he details in. And they are the most winningest team in uh, sports history, I believe. Absolutely incredible. So um, definitely recommend that book. Uh, the Four Agreements, my Miguel, I can't remember his last name, but that was another one I recently read. It took me two hours, but I ended up rereading it uh, like three times. Absolutely incredible. So um, I do love those, um, I wouldn't say self-help, but I would say leadership books that give a different perspective than just the standard old book. Um, so. so you don't have much time while you're while you're working on this project. So how do you like to spend what little time you have away from work? Uh, I actually try to make time to play volleyball uh, a couple times a week. So there's a local court in downtown St. Pete, and I have a few girlfriends that we meet out there a couple times, and there's actually a huge group of people that are out there. And that's a really good release for me um, a couple times a week and just to be able to be social. And I also work out every morning. Uh, I, I wake up at 5, 5.30 and get a good workout in. And I think taking care of yourself is really important because – if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be able to take care of your career. So I also try to get eight hours of sleep every night. I don't know how I do it. And sometimes I don't, but uh, I just think self-care is really important. Uh, and then on the weekends, being able to just catch up with friends, catch up with family uh, and just taking that me time and trying to not work. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not really going to happen soon, considering turnover for the building is going to be uh, in October and November this year. So things are really starting to ramp up with getting delivery schedules and everything like that. So um, trying to take advantage of my weekends when I can. I'm sure. I'm sure. So I'm mm -hmm. sure you've had an opportunity both from at IMG and there with the Blue Jays. You've got a chance to meet a lot of famous people. Who are some of the people you've had a chance to meet and, and uh, when and where, you know, what were the situations where you met them? Huh. Well, IMG Academy was probably uh, one of the ones where I met most. So I was actually Cam Newton's trophy girl for one of his 77 tournaments. And he was presenting the trophies, which were a, a, his shoe, like a golden shoe was okay. the trophy. And he was presenting it to one of the winning teams. And I was there like handing him these golden shoe trophies. It was incredible. I actually, I asked my friend to snap a picture of it too. It, it was awesome. Um, I also rode around, I toured Wayne Gretzky uh, around nice. IMG Academy and his family. That was also really incredible. <laughs> I bet. Um, and it's weird saying like famous people, but Mark Shapiro, the president of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, he's just an, uh, a well-known, very esteemed, very incredible leader within the Toronto Blue Jays and sports um, industry in general. And just being able to meet with him and listen to him talk and be part of town hall meetings and everything like that. He, he's also really incredible as well to be able to meet. 
When your travels take you to Deland, count on Hampton Inn and Suites Deland to deliver value, consistency, and thoughtful service. Ask about our new premium rooms. Book your next stay in advance and save up to 15% off the already great rates. I, I can only imagine the number of people that came through IMG with their kids and, and went, you know, you mentioned Wayne Gretzky. I'm sure they were just those kind of people coming in all the time with their kids to, to determine whether or not they wanted to go there. All the time and college coaches. Uh, and it was also kind of nice because my boss was the CEO basically. Right. So whenever, you know, Kirby Smart or Dan Mullen were there, like he was on the sideline with them and I was right there next to him. So, or Tony Clark with the baseball players union. Um, right. He was there a couple of times. So I was able to, you know, talk to him or listen to Greg, talk to him. Uh, so it, it was a really cool experience to be at IMG. All right, let's run through a few quick hitters. Uh, There's kind of fun questions. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, um, Special K. Who's your favorite cartoon character? Um, do Disney princesses count? Because I'll probably say Belle. There you go. Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, boy. Um, Jessica Jones. Wow. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? I think you already have them, but it's just, just time management. <laughs> um, oh, here's one. Uh, have you ever seen the show uh, Suits? Uh, yes. So I want Mike Ross's brain. Is that a superpower? Uh, I, you could be, I guess. <laughs> what's, what's your guilty pleasure? Chick-fil-A. Nothing wrong with With that. a milkshake. There you go. Uh, what's your favorite kind of cookie? Uh, white macadamia nut. Uh, you like PC or Mac? PC. Uh, where would you want to go for a dream vacation? So actually next year I'm going to Oktoberfest for Savannah's wedding. So that's definitely a dream vacation, but also I'm trying to get all 30 baseball stadiums by the time I turn 30, but it's going to need an asterisk because 2020 doesn't count. So it's like yeah. 30 stadiums by 31. Uh, but that's also a dream vacation too, to be able to, actually achieve that <laughs> and that's an Oktoberfest means you're going to germany yes their wedding is in munich nice nice no. who was your celebrity crush on when you were 12 12 arthur nick carter from the backstreet boys there you go. <laughs> what's your favorite movie or movies um i love the harry potter movies but i'm also a sucker for field of dreams baseball movie of course mm -hmm. what's your favorite christmas movie Elf. Elf. I know you don't have a whole lot of time, but are, are, have you been uh, had a chance to binge watch any TV shows during the pandemic? Uh, I just finished Schitt's Creek. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I only have like 30 minute increments usually. So uh, <laughs> Friends is an all time favorite. I've rewatched that a lot. <laughs> who was your who or what was your first concert? Where and when? Britney Spears. Up in New York City. Wow. Big time. Madison Square Garden? I don't remember. <laughs> it was back in elementary school. <laughs> I got you. Um, well, what are you listening to now? I mean, you work out in the morning early. I'm sure you've got some earbuds in. What are you listening to? Oh, um, I prefer like alternate rock. Uh, that's kind of my go-to. Gotcha. Where do yeah. you go when you need some time alone? Uh, there's a couple of local parks here in St. Pete. So I either like to go run them or just be with the mangroves. That's a nice spot for me. If you could be on a game show, what game show would you want to be on? Oh, easy. Family Feud. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to go to dinner? Honestly, I'm still trying to go to all the new places in downtown St. Pete. Um, but if I had to pick one, it would be the Columbia. That's a staple. The Cuban restaurant. Gotcha. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I've never done karaoke. You've never done karaoke. <laughs> but I guess if I had to pick one, Hey, Soul Sister by Train, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So uh, have you used TikTok? What do you think of TikTok? I've never used it. No. I actually had to Google what it was. <laughs> <laughs> May not get a chance to use it much longer. Uh, so name three people living or dead you'd want to have dinner with. Oh, um, 
I would say my dad. I would say Tom Brady okay. and Meghan Markle. That's a, that would be an interesting group. <laughs> I think so. That would be an interesting group. So we'll wrap this up. Um, just just one last time. Talk about transitioning from being a college student athlete to to where you are now. What would you go back and tell your younger self to get to pre- help prepare to be where you are now? There's a lot of adversity that you go through being a student athlete from loss and injury and coach transitions. And a lot of that is just really applicable to real life. But the thing is though, like you push through no matter the obstacle being a student athlete and you win games. And I think that is also very applicable for real life. So don't let it get you down and keep pushing through no matter what happens, no matter if it's in a pandemic or whatnot. And you're going to be successful and also take care of yourself. That's one thing that I wish I did a little bit better in college that I'm doing a really good job of now. And that's making sure you check in on your mental health and you recover your body and you get enough sleep and you meditate and you call your grandma, just do those little things. And maybe they take two minutes out of your day. Um, but they're really important. They add up. Well, Katie, it's been fun catching up with you today and I I can't wait to see how far you go in your career. And uh, I'm sure at some point you're going to be uh, running a major league team as a president or, or a director of operations or something. And uh, when you get that job, you can hire me to come in and sweep the floors or something. That'd be, that'd be great. So I can hang around and uh, watch ball games, but uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. And, and uh, it's been fun catching up. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. You as well. Uh, well, that's it for today's edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. Thanks again to Katie DiGirolamo, and we will see you again soon. And that'll do it for this edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'd like to thank all of our corporate sponsors who make it possible for Stetson University and Stetson Athletics to provide our more than 400 student athletes a quality experience on the courts and fields of competition in the same way the faculty provides all Stetson University students a quality educational experience. Those sponsors include, of course, our presenting sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Other sponsors include Florida Public Utilities. Visit askforgas.com for more information. GEICO Insurance. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com to find out how. Advent Health. Visit westvolusia.com, Old Florida, New Vibe. Coca-Cola Beverages of Florida. The Alliance Community for Retirement Living. Bud Light, the official beer of Stetson University. Florida Orthopedic Associates. If it hurts, see them first. Hampton Inn and Suites of Deland. Imageworks, your one-stop corporate identity shop. Main Street Community Bank. Familiar name, familiar faces, familiar bank. Morningstar Storage, the space you need, the way you want it. Orlando Sanford International Airport. Visit flysfb.com. Simpler, faster, better. Total Comfort, the name you can trust. And Weston Lake Mary, Orlando North, for a better you. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors.